us all, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, to be the glory forever. Amen. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often, and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees? But yours eat and drink. And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast, while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine will be burst. The wineskins will be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new. For he says, the old is better. This gospel passage is recording the events that are in just the beginning of our Lord Jesus Christ's ministry, and he's in the process of selecting his disciples when he finds uh, Levi, the tax collector. And I'm sure most of you know that tax collectors were famous for being hated by the Jewish people. I mean, no one likes taxes even today, but even at the in the time, uh, they were hated by the Jewish people because their job was to collect taxes from for Rome, the people who were occupying their homeland. And they made money by taking a little bit of extra money off the top to keep for themselves. That's why in the Gospels you always see them grouped with sinners, tax collectors and sinners, tax collectors and sinners. One of the most important things about God is that he didn't look at Levi and see all the bad things that he had done in the past. He looked at Levi and he thought about what can Levi become. For the Pharisees, that was not sort of within their ability or within their capabilities. They were very religious people and they respected those who followed the laws of Judaism like they did, in the exact way that they did. If you didn't follow the laws, you were a sinner and they didn't want to associate with you. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ wanted to make sure that people understood that Christianity was not going to be like this. He explains to them, it's not the healthy people who need a doctor, but the people who are sick. He's like, I didn't come to call the righteous people. I came to call the sinners to repentance. Or, like he says in another part of the Gospel of St. Luke, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So he made himself very clear. I came for one reason. I came for the sick. I came for the wounded. I came for the broken. I came for the sinners, the prostitutes, the misfits of society. And he expects us, the people who claim that we follow him, to make those people our same priority. You know, in the third century, there was this philosopher, his name was Celsus. He wrote an essay against Christianity. He was probably one of the first anti-Christian uh, philosophers. In the essay, he says, When most teachers go forth to teach, they cry, Come to me, you who are clean and worthy. And they are followed by the highest caliber of people available. But your silly master cries, Come to me, you who are down and beaten by life. And so he accumulates around him the ragtag and lowest of humanity. That's what Celsus, the philosopher, is saying. Origen, the teacher Origen, responds to him. He says, Yes, they are the ragtag and lowest of humanity, but Jesus does not leave them that way. Out of material you would have thrown away as useless, he fashions men, giving them back their self-respect, enabling them to stand on their feet and look God in the eyes. They were cringing, broken things, but the Son has set them free. So you can see uh, the philosophy of Christianity that should be sort of within all of us when we're looking at others. This is our goal. This is our objective. If we consider ourselves to be lowly, to be unworthy, to be broken, Christ today in the gospel is saying, I came for you. If we have maybe begun to enjoy life with Christ, then we should know that our task is to help those who feel cringing, who feel broken, to come to him as well. But the Pharisees didn't understand this, nor did they actually even want to understand this. They were highly moral people, and they weren't about to associate with anyone who didn't share their same morals. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he tries to illustrate this point to them in a parable. He says, no one tears a patch from a new garment and puts it on the old one, because it will tear the new one, and the new won't match the old. And he says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine bursts the old wineskins and they're ruined. ruined. What does this mean? What is this parable talking about? We can look first at the first part. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews on an old one. So once we become Christians, or once we take our spiritual life seriously, God does not want us hanging on to the old garments of our sinful past and sort of just putting little patches where there are mistakes. The New Testament actually teaches us over and over again that we actually have to completely take off the old garments and put on the new garment, which is Christ himself. In Ephesians, St. Paul says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and holiness. So our lives before being dedicated to Him, before being dedicated to God, was like an old, dirty garment. And when we repent, we take off this old garment, 
We become washed in the blood of Christ, and we put on a whole new, clean set of clothing. By the way, this is not just a metaphor or a mental picture that St. Paul is giving to us. We can continue, actually, when we read in Ephesians. He says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So in that particular verse, what is the old garment that the Ephesians are being asked to take off? The old garment is lying, right? But he says, you know, I, you can't just take off the old garment. You have to put something on instead of it. So what's the new garment that I'm going to put on after I put off lying or putting away lying? He says, speak truthfully with his neighbor. And actually when he continues also in Ephesians, he says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work with his own hands. So what's the old garment that needs to be removed, that needs to be taken off? Stealing, theft, right? If he stops stealing, for St. Paul, is this enough for him to stop stealing? No. He needs to put on working with his own hands. He needs to change his entire attitude about money. The thief used to think, the things that belong to you are mine. Now God wants this person to make money by his own hands and to share with those in need. So instead of thinking what belongs to you is actually mine, he believes what appears to belong to me is only in my stewardship and will be given to others as they need. St. Paul continues in Ephesians, he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. So what do we want to take off? Or what does St. Paul want us to take off? Unwholesome talk, cursing, gossip, insults. What are we supposed to put on? Are we supposed to, everyone, just sit silently because we say, well, I can't say anything because I don't want to say these bad things that St. Paul is talking about? No. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. So the difference between someone who is walking with Christ and someone who is not, is if I'm not with Christ, I practice sin and commit acts of evil. But if I walk with Christ, I practice righteousness. And I stay away from committing acts of sin. In other words, the, the garment of someone who does not walk with Christ is sin. And maybe every once in a while, like if I, if I had a garment, a bad garment, every once in a while, maybe I can do something good. But once we walk with Him, our desire is completely and only to please God. And of course, because we're human, we sin. And so we have the sacrament of repentance and confession and Holy Communion to wash us from sin. But that's not the, how the Pharisees did things. They were all about sort of patching over the holes in their lives. That's why Christ he said to them in another place, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. When the Pharisees made changes in their lives, they made changes for show. They painted the outside of the tomb of their sinful attitudes, hoping that nobody will notice. When it came to sin, the Pharisees' philosophy was, if you can't see it, it doesn't exist. Sometimes we have this mentality as well. If people can't see the sin that I'm committing, it doesn't exist, or it's not that important, or it's not really vital for me to repent of. 
It's sort of like, you know, maybe you've seen this when people go sort of like to McDonald's or to Burger King or whatever, and they, they sort of, they order like a huge amount of food, right? The double quarter pounder with cheese and double Whopper, and they get the ice cream on the side, and then they say, I'll have a Diet Coke, right? As if like the Diet Coke is sort of going to cancel out all the junk that they are about to eat. That's what the Pharisees are doing. You know, they think all this bad stuff, and they're like, well, I'll do a small good thing that will kind of undo all of this stuff. But sometimes we have the same sort of patchwork theology within our Christianity as well. Like, I, I can cancel out, or I feel bad maybe that I'm lying. If I, maybe if I go to Bible study, that will cancel this out. Or I can cancel out being verbally abusive to my wife and my kids if I teach Sunday school, if I'm a servant. I can cancel out gossip if I give to the poor. As Christians, we don't want to try to just patch over our past, our evil thoughts, our actions. We want to repent of them, confess our sins, and turn away from them completely. You know, there's a second aspect of sort of this theology of like patchwork from this parable that the Pharisees had. They figured that people were acceptable to God as long as they didn't sort of tear too big of a hole in their lives where a patch couldn't cover it. So for that reason, Levi, someone like Levi, who later became St. Matthew, could never be acceptable to God. His patch, his hole was too big. As a Pharisee, like, I, couldn't, I, I, could, I, I wouldn't mind if like, a moderate sinner could come and return to God. But some people in their eyes could never be forgiven. But our Lord Jesus Christ says, The well have no need of a physician, but the sick have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He saw in Levi, he saw in St. Matthew, what nobody else saw, the potential to be his follower, the potential to be his disciple, the potential even to be an evangelist, the writer of the gospel. There is one small more parable that, that our Lord Jesus Christ says about pouring new wine into old wineskins. St. Cyril of Alexandria explains actually this parable to us. He tells us that the people who live according to the law, that live according to the ways of the Old Testament, are not in any way compatible with those who receive the institutions and instructions of Christ. He says that they can't be admitted into the hearts of the people who have not been received and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Basically what St. Cyril is explaining to us is it's not enough to pour the new wine of the covenant of Christ into the old wineskin of the Old Testament. They can't contain them because it is of a completely different substance. We're not to adhere and to keep at heart at heart the rituals and the laws of the Old Testament. That's what Christ is trying to explain. He also has a warning for the Pharisees. He says that no one who drinks old wine immediately desires new. In his mind, the old wine is better. For the Pharisees, the old wine actually was the law and the rituals that they have been meticulously following. He's trying to warn them that they need to desire the new wine, the wine of the coming of the incarnate word of God to free humanity from the curse of the law. So God's message for us today is that None of us are beyond his salvation. It's a very serious sin actually to think that God cannot change you and make you in his image. And it's also a very serious sin to think that way about others. To judge others and to decide for yourself that they are beyond the love and the salvation that God is offering to everyone. Lastly, in the, in, in the message that we heard this morning, we learned that Following Christ requires radical change. Patching my old dirty garment is not going to be sufficient. 
I'll ruin the new garment and the old one won't match. I need to completely take off the old garment. I need to reject my sin in true repentance in order to put on the new garment of Christ. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. We exalt you.